Amen. Father, we pray to you right now. You're the King of Kings. And Jesus, we may be celebrating you as a baby, but you are a king. You are a king. And you went all the way to the cross as a king. And you died for me and for everybody in here as a king. And when you lit the flame on the church, it is still going and it is going strong. And so, Father, I pray for the church today that we would open our ears and listen to your word. And that we would not just have a Merry Christmas in a day, but we would have a life following you, our King. In my son Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a seat. I want to say it again. Merry Christmas. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Mark. I get to be the pastor of this awesome church that meets on 427 Stump Road. And it has been a great year. In fact, we've had so many baptisms this year, we couldn't get them all in. We have one today at a Christmas Eve service. So we're going to have an awesome time. I, I hope that you brought family. I'm just so curious. Who is here? Don't, you don't got to stand up. Just kind of give me a, a, a hand wave. And if it's your first time, just get used to this, okay? But uh, who is like, this is your first time ever at a Keystone Church? Anybody? First timer. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great, great, great. That's good, that's good. We've had so many new people this year. How about this? Who is this your first Christmas Eve service at Keystone? At a Keystone. Look at that, guys. Look around. See? The church is growing. The, the God Church is growing, and God's Keystone Church is growing, too. We've had over 500 first-time guests this year, and uh, we just love it. We love it, love it, love it. We're going to baptize almost 100 people this year at this church. That is incredible, 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 and, and we, we love it. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 today. I know, shocker, shocker that we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. I promised you we would talk about... Christmas stuff eventually, and here it is. If you don't have a Bible today, uh, I can get you one, not, not right now in this moment, but, but I can get you one, or uh, we can just make it a true Merry Christmas. My gift to you, I'm going to read the Bible to you today, but not for a few minutes, right? We'll, but we'll be in Luke chapter 2, a, uh, a story that probably a lot of you know as we continue to celebrate Christmas. That, that is what we're doing, right? We're celebrating Christmas. We love to celebrate things. You guys into celebrating? Who just likes celebrating things, man? I'm a celebrator. I love to celebrate great things, good things, decent things. Like, man, I tell you, if I, if I, get a, if I remember when I get a C on a test as a kid, I'd put that on the fridge, you know? Like, first time. First time for everything, right? We don't make D's. Today I made a C. But I'm just telling you. Hey, you know, we have days for everything, too. Today, obviously, is Christmas Eve. Did you know? Maybe you didn't know this. December 5th was Ninja Day. Did you guys know that? Did you see any ninjas that day? No. You know why? Okay, that was lame. How about this? Uh, December 7th was National Cotton Candy Day. Did you guys celebrate that? Well, you didn't stop. That's the first time you ever heard of it. December 10th was National Dewey Decimal System Day. Yeah. December 23rd, one of my favorites, Festivus. For the rest of us, right? Come on. Anybody do Festivus stuff this year? I do every year. Air my grievances, feats of strength, all that sort of stuff. Let me just say this. Here's what we're doing now. We are here to celebrate Christmas. I think sometimes we think, even as believers, like I'm a Christian, I know. I'm a Christian, but Christmas isn't going to get lost in my celebration of other things. It, I'm, I'm pretty staunch on that. I mean, we, we love to celebrate, but we really love to celebrate Christmas. I mean, the way we celebrate in our culture, I mean, I, I surveyed two people in our office Big survey, huge scientific study. And I was like, what is it for you that unless you're doing these things, you're really not celebrating Christmas? And they gave me these five things. I'd just be curious if this is what Christmas means to you. You ready? Raise your hand if this is you. Without Christmas lights, it's not Christmas. Anybody? 
Okay, some of you are chicken. Uh, how about this? Without cookies. No? Nobody likes cookies? Y'all said 10 minutes ago you were rowdy. I've not seen any evidence of the fact. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Okay, how about this? Christmas movies. Uh-huh. How about Christmas music? Uh-huh. Okay, how, okay, quick poll. Who listens to Christmas music starting before Thanksgiving? Hands up. Who is after Thanksgiving? Who tonight's the first night they sang any Christmas music? <laughs> like, that's good. And you're fine with that. You're fine with that. Like, give me my sports talk radio. How about this? Last one, gifts. Y'all going to celebrate with some gifts? I love gifts. You like giving or getting? We'll look away. Like, <laughs> getting? Because you have to say that. <laughs> you know, don't you love those hard-to-find gifts? I, I used to work in a mall when I was in college. It was a great job. And uh, we were next to a Kmart. And uh, remember those? And uh, people would go in there and fight. The year I worked there, the, uh, the Tickle Me Elmo was huge. And people would fight each other for them. And me and my buddies would go down to the food court and get a bag of popcorn and go up and just stand in the kids' aisle and be like, this is, this is us someday, guys. This is going to be us, right? Or the cabbage patch. But here's what. I was walking through a store this year, and I saw a toy that I, I bought for myself. It's a hard-to-get toy back in the day. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's from a movie. You ready? This is so incredible that I found this. Do you know what this is? This is Turbo Man. Turbo Man. I got one. Do you know what movie this is from? No, 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 no. Say it right. Say it right. Jingle out the way. That's right. Come on. Some of you are from Austria. You're like, you are killing it, man. Don't do that. Do not do that. I'm sorry. I have to. My son wanted an astronaut. I'm telling you, this is a turbo man. This, in the movie, they punched each other in the face for this. Do you remember? That's how we celebrate in America. Welcome. Welcome. Christmas, we, the reason for the season, punching each other in the face and getting a turbo man. And I'm not going to raffle this off. That's going up in my garage uh, tonight after the last service. But, but, like, where did that even come from? Gifts, buying people gifts at Christmas. Where do you think it came from? The wise men, Right. What were their three gifts? Do you know? Gold, frankincense, whatever that is, and myrrh, right? Anybody got gold on their Christmas list this year? Raise your hand. Thank you. Right here. Gold. I always have it on mine. Just a, just a sack of gold would be good. You know, just give me that. Do you think those were hard to find gifts in the first century? Do you think the wise men had to punch somebody to get that frankincense? The last one. There's no more. Do you have any myrrh? Are you out of myrrh? You're out of myrrh? Everybody's out of myrrh. The shortage, COVID, you know, <laughs> the COVID shortage on myrrh. But that was, that was what was going on then. Like that first Christmas was probably a lot different than, than our Christmas this year. I get a little head nod of agreement. Like they didn't have no, uh, no, no great British baking show, holiday edition, which is solid. I will give you that. That's good. They didn't have Christmas lights, no turbo man. I don't guess. There was, there was no houses with huge inflatables, like Darth Vader inflatables, you know, like put a stocking on them. It makes it Christmas. No, no Christmas movies. There was no, no like, no, what's this movie? You know that one? Come on. That's Chevy. That's Clark. Thank you. Uh, TV edition. TV edition. Uh, <laughs> I think that might be PG-13. I don't remember. What do you think that first one was like, though? There, here's, here is what they did have at the first Christmas. They had an old, dirty barn. That's something, right? I think we romanticize that barn a little bit. You probably have one in your living room. We love barns. I mean, if you were born between like 1990 and 2000, you probably got married in a barn, you know? We, we, we just love barns. We love barns. But that is not the type of barn that the manger was. This is where animals lived. 
This is where, where you know, they, they fed in there. That is where Jesus was born, a barn. And I love a manger scene. You know what else is always at a manger scene is, is shepherds, which is where we're going to kind of double click and camp out for a moment here today is, is these shepherds that were at this first Christmas. I love the shepherds. I, don't, I think I know why. I think I know why. I think it's because the shepherds had such a bad rap in history that it's proof to me that anybody can be used by Jesus. Like the shepherds, when you thought of a shepherd in the first century, you said these types of things about shepherds. They were dumb. Okay, you get it? That's not a compliment. They were, uh, they were dirty. They, uh, you know, I, maybe it's because of where I'm from in Eastern Kentucky. Like, like the same things that people say about shepherds, people say to me all the time. You know, you know, like, oh, you're from Kentucky. You, did you wear shoes? Like, ha 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 ha, hilarious. You've no idea what we're saying about you growing up. Okay, none. But these shepherds, they're there, and there was even a law on the books. An actual law, historical law on the books that if a shepherd fell in a pit, you had no obligation to get them out, which is like super specific, right? Don't you think that's very specific? Like, yeah, don't be, don't be helping shepherds out of pits. Yet, if we look at Luke 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 8, we see that the shepherds were part of one of the greatest stories ever told and the greatest story to ever happen up to that point in history. Shepherds uneducated, smelled bad, they weren't polished, they were there. Look with me, it'll be on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It said, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with what? Say it with me, filled with what? Great fear. And the angel said to them, say, everybody be an angel. They said to them, fear not. All right, don't read anymore. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A manger, guys, in a barn. That's what they're told to go look for. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Pray with me right now. Here's how we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you, for you. Father God, I pray that as we hear about that passage, that we do not make the mistake of taking the greatest story ever told and glossing over it because it is so familiar to us. Father, I pray that we do not gloss over with familiarity and miss a life-changing moment. Father, I pray that those that really need to hear will listen to what you have for them in a very familiar story. And in your son Jesus' name, amen. These shepherds, and for that matter, all of Israel, were living in in a very frightening time. You do not have to be a high school history teacher to know that this was, this was an uneasy time to be alive. They had a king that would kill on a whim. They were, they were under rule of another king who was far away, and they really couldn't get a break. If you were an Israelite, and especially a shepherd in that era, you were afraid. So it was, it was a scary time politically, but, but really just life in general. It was, it was very afraid. And it is in that climate, if you'll remember from 30 seconds ago, that the angels appeared. And what did they say to these people that were living in a very afraid time? Two words, 
fear not. Why? Why do you think the angel said, fear not? I just told you the answer. Because they were afraid. Because <laughs> they were afraid. You ever notice in the Bible, and if you come here, you know what I'm going to say. In the Bible, every time an angel shows up, what do they always start with? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? Because people are afraid of angels. If an angel appeared to you tonight or in your car on the way home, would you be afraid or would you be like, that is totally normal? I was expecting it. If that does happen, please let me know, okay, because I want to know about it. But they show up and they always say, fear not, right? I'm not here to kill you. I have some great news for you. I heard someone say that, that fear not or the phrase fear not, don't worry, cast your fear, all those things. That occurs a, a little bit around 500 times in God's word. 500 times, either through prophets or Jesus says, all these different things. It's all about don't be afraid. Why do you think they took the time to write those things down? Do you think that they thought that someday a group like this online and in person would be living fearful? And that we needed to be reminded over and over and over and over again with God, we don't need to be afraid? Because I'll be honest with you, when you look around on the news, you don't even have to spend that much time on it or just in your life. We have a lot to be afraid of as well. I may not be a shepherd lying on the side of a hill, and I'm certainly not alive in the first century, but we have a lot to be afraid of, and if we're not careful, we will be afraid of it all the time. I mean, how many, how many mass shootings did we have this year? That's scary, right? Does that not scare you anymore? Are we just numb to that? How about a natural disaster? I mean, I know we have some cold weather right now, but, you know, like, hey, back home where I live, they're hitting with an ice storm right now. They got an ice storm going on. That's, a, that's fearful. People are dying because of that. We have hurricanes in our world and earthquakes. Just since I've lived in Pennsylvania for 10 years, we've had hurricanes and tornadoes. Like, I mean, we got those here. We get them. We have a lot to be afraid of if we're not careful, don't we? It seems like every time I drive anywhere, I see a car accident. This, okay, so just in the last week at the, at, at, I don't know where I'm standing in relation to it here. Right down here at this intersection, I saw three different ambulances on three different days. I'm like, good grief. All the time, something is happening that if we're not careful, we'll be afraid. But well, that's just big stuff. What about individuals? Is anybody just afraid individually? Maybe you got a diagnosis this year that you didn't think you were going to get, so you got afraid. Maybe you got some relational fears. Man, it's Christmas Eve. You're going to be with your family today and tomorrow. Maybe some of you, that's fun and all, but deep down you're like, that, I'm afraid of that. I'm not even joking. Like, what might happen? Some of y'all, maybe you've got financial fears. That's a fun time of year to think about that. All that swiping and tapping, that in January, that's two weeks away, the reality sets in, doesn't it? And you're like, mm. We could have a lot to be afraid about. And here's this story about an angel that shows up and he says, fear not. So maybe just maybe the message to those shepherds should be the message to us here today. Fear not. But there's more to it, isn't there? Fear not. Why? Have joy. Don't be afraid. Have the opposite of that. You can have joy. In fact, he says, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Who wants great joy this year? Seriously, I do. I want it. I want that. I want that. I want that. A guy named Ray Stedman said this, the chief mark of the Christian ought to be the absence of fear and the presence of joy. This proves that we really are what we claim to be. So I don't know about you. Does, does that describe you, believer? Does that describe you, church? 
Are you constantly trading in your fear and receiving joy in return? Or are you living the other way around? You're constantly trading over your joy to something and receiving fear in return. Which one describes you? Fear is what Christ came to remove so that we could have great joy. The condition of joy is that we let go of our fear. Are you following me? The condition, how I become joyful is I let go of my fear. Because God brings it to me, right? And this was a huge announcement that they were getting. Remember back to our shepherds. They were getting a huge announcement. This is a big deal. Say big deal with me. This was a big deal announcement. And he was going to the shepherds first. That God is coming to earth as a baby to bring great joy. That is huge. And yet, in that era, it was very obscure and somewhat nondescript. I mean, shepherds. That's who's getting it. Some of you all probably work in, in companies or firms. You're probably communication people. That's probably your job. Is this how you would do it? If you had the biggest news story ever for your company, would you say, guys, let's go to all them fellers in eastern Kentucky on the side of the hill. They're having an ice storm. He just told us. I think that's where we should unload our product. No. Who would you, you would say, I think we should start at the top and work our way down. Especially if your news is that the real Savior is here. Like, I might, if I was on the team, I'd be like, you know who we should go to? Caesar. Because he's the one out there saying he's the Savior. We should go in there and say, hey, pal, the real Savior's here. You're fired. He's in. That's why I'm not on the team. They did not do that. Instead, the angel said to them in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then the, the rest of them showed up and it said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. Who is this for? It says that we read it. Who is this announcement for? All people. We got any people in the room? Raise your hand if you're a people. Thank you. Some of you didn't raise. That's okay. You just don't ever raise your hand. I'm paying attention to you. I'll get you eventually. Give me a month. All people. All people. Everyone. Not just the elite. Not just the well-groomed. Not just the highly educated. All people. Listen, you know one thing, I mentioned it a minute ago about the barn and the manger scene. One thing I love about a manger scene is there's, there's a lot of different characters in this scene. As you know, there's shepherds there. They do get down there eventually. We'll see that in a moment. But there's also this other group that we mentioned a minute ago. Do you remember their, their names? What were they called? The wise men. Sometimes they're even called kings. And, and you may be like me and you have a major scene at your house and they're all kind of sitting there together and theologically you do know that the, the, the kings didn't get there that night. So let me just give you a little tip. Go home and move your kings into like the kitchen. You know, just let's get this historically accurate. They're traveling. They're on their way, but they're not there yet. Okay? I mean, just for me, do that. We do that. You should do that. But, but either way, they did come to see Jesus. They all came to see Jesus. But, but we have these two groups. And, and you can't really, in this era, and maybe even in our era today, I don't, I don't know, but you can't get two groups of people that are more not alike than shepherds and wise men, kings. 
We've already said, you weren't even allowed to let this group, you weren't allowed to help them out of a ditch. The contrast of these two groups as to why this is for everyone is abundantly clear to me. You've got shepherds who are the lowliest of low. You've got wise men, very, very highbrow. Posh, my friends. Shepherds are uneducated. Now, they know how to shepherd, but the, the culturally, they would be considered uneducated. The wise men, all Princeton grads, okay? All, maybe a couple UNLV grads in there, but that's where I graduated from. Maybe a couple, right? But mostly... Pretty, pretty high-end. Shepherds, culturally considered poor, no money. Uh, wise men, rich, so rich. Can you imagine someone coming to your Christmas Eve party tonight and that's the gifts they bring? Like, that's the uncle I want to have my name. You brought me gold? Hmm. Frankincense? Myrrh? That's incredible. What do we do with myrrh? I don't know. I'm going to eat it anyway, though. That's right. Shepherds, no power. In society, wise men, they could have a voice in a meeting with anybody they wanted. You even see that they do in the Bible. Yet, in your little manger scene, in my little manger scene, both these groups come for one distinct purpose, and that is to see who? Jesus. You, you might be here tonight, and you're somewhere in the middle of this. Maybe, maybe you're not quite a wise man. Maybe you're not quite a, a shepherd, but, but maybe, maybe culturally... Maybe someone this year called you poor. Or maybe they called you rich. Maybe, maybe you never graduated high school. Maybe you got a PhD from Yale. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you had to borrow money to buy your kids Christmas this year. Or maybe you donated to a family. I don't know where you are on that spectrum. But what I do know is it doesn't matter which group you are in or what line you hit on this spectrum that we are all able to go to Jesus. That's what the manger scene shows me. In fact, it even says, it says, this is for you. This is for you. I love that verse, verse 10. Pop it up there for you. I bring you good news of great joy. Do you know what I like to do sometimes? I like to rewrite the Bible. I know some of you are like, I knew it, we're out. No. I like to personalize it. I like to put my name in there. Because if it says, I bring you good news of great joy, I start looking at that and I start praying. I go, you know what? I'm a you. My name's Mark, so I'm going to put my name in. I bring Mark good news of great joy. Do you think that's true? I do. Do you have a name? Can everybody just say their name out loud? One, two, three. Say it. Don't say Mark. That's my name. Some of you said Mark. You didn't get it. One, two, three. Your name. What is it? Okay, so let's rewrite the Bible. Let's personalize it. And I'm going to say, I bring blank good news of great joy. You put your name in there. You ready? Say it with me. I bring Good news of great joy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because you is who they are talking to. This isn't just a fable or a great story or a really cool Christmas Eve. No, no, no. This is for you. 100%. Because what you are doing matters to God. <coughs> Listen. Sometimes. When I preach a sermon, that happens quite often, actually. Someone will come to me, and they'll say something like this. How did you know I was going through that? Maybe some of you have ever said that. I have said it to people. They'll say, have you been listening in on my conversations? And I say, I'm not Alexa. I'm not your Google device. I'm not your iPhone. Always listening, all right? I'm not that. Because what you talked about today is exactly what I'm going through. 
That is because God loves you and he is pursuing you and he is making himself known to you. That is why you think that. That is why you think that God is speaking directly to you. Do you know why you think that? Because he is. Now, he may use his word. He may use a fellow like me. He may use the person sitting next to you. He may use your brother, your sister, your mother, your son. He can use whatever he wants to speak to you. The point is he is constantly revealing himself to you and saying, I bring you, I bring Joe, I bring Danielle, I bring Dave, good news of great joy. And that is why when you read and spend time with God, you think, oh my goodness, I think he's talking directly to me because he is. So what are we going to do with that personal message? What did the shepherds do with that personal message? I'll tell you what they did. It said, when the angels went away, verse 15, when the angels went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, get this, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened. Let's go have a look. Not a one of them said, wow, it's super interesting, guys, but we got to... Get back to it. No, not a one of them said that. It said, let's go look at this. In verse 16, it says, and they went in what? What's that word? Haste. Haste. Do you know what haste means? Does haste mean meander? Does it mean stroll? Does it mean jog? No. Sprint. Quick. Like at the end of a race. Not at the beginning when you still got a lot left. No, no, no. Let's go. And what did they find? Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Shocker. They found exactly what the angel said they would find. They found the Savior. And they went with haste. They ran. They were quick. They wasted no time getting to Jesus. So I don't know where you are tonight. But here's what I know. You're probably somewhere between shepherd and wise man. And God is revealing himself to you. And my question for you is, let's not waste any time getting to him. Let's get there quick. Because Jesus is still doing that. He is still making himself known to you. Will you go? That's my question. Will you go? Or will you walk out of here and say, oh, that was really interesting, man. The way they sat up there on the stools and sang, that was really cool. And lights, you know, those were stars on the ceiling. That was really cool. And you'll say, you know what, that ain't for me. It is for you. It's exactly who it's for. Here's what I hear sometimes, too. I hear this a lot. Preachers hear all kinds of cool stuff, right? Somebody will say, I- I've looked for Jesus, and I cannot find him. Really? I've looked for God. I can't find him. Really? You're treating God like he's Turbo Man. You're treating Jesus like he's Turbo Man, like he's hard to find, like it's just one of them, you know? And the guy, they already got him. No, no, they did You don't have to punch anybody in the face to get to Jesus tonight. He is here and he's waiting for you. He put all of this together tonight, today, so that you could find him. Jesus is not hard to find. He is here, he is real, and he is waiting on you, and he has made himself known to you. He is not lost, and those who seek him will find him. Now, I don't know what your your family tradition is. Do, Do you guys do gift exchanges? Do people still do that? Like you give somebody something, and they give you something in return, and you're hoping it'll be good, aren't you? Aren't you hoping that what you get in return will be better than what you gave? Can we just be honest? You are. There's a $10 limit. You're like $8.99, they won't know, right? I, here's what I've noticed as I've gotten older, I know, and I'll get someone a gift card, and then they get me a gift card. And the other day I was talking to Jennifer, I was like, honestly, all we're doing is swapping $50 bills at this point. Here's the, oh, Outback, oh, you gave me a Chick-fil-A, but they're worth the same. Like, 
I really would rather go to Outback. Do you want to flip it? Do you want to return it? I mean, I go to Chick-fil-A too. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong. Some of you are like, what? Outback? Or Chick-fil-A? I thought he's a Christian. <laughs> but many of you will. You will do a gift exchange. You're hoping to get something good. You know, I don't think it's too far to bounce to say Jesus is wanting to do a gift exchange too. Jesus wants to give you something too. Except it's a, it's a different type of gift exchange. His gift comes, comes free, but there is expectations. I mean, I even, I even had Jennifer wrap up a gift just so you could kind of get the idea. This is a beautiful gift, isn't it? And it's nice. I didn't wrap this. When I wrap gifts, I wrap it like a piece of meat. <laughs> One tape, done. Write on it in Sharpie. Joe. Actually, I got Joe something. I didn't even wrap it. It's just sitting back there. It's my type of gift. But Jesus brings this to you, and it's, it's like a gift exchange. It's like he is offering this beautiful thing to you. And it's going to be the strangest type of gift exchange you've ever heard because the thing he wants in return is all the awfulness that you have. Like he wants your bad stuff. He wants to give you beauty, and you just have to give him ugliness to get it. Like, like you may be thinking, why do I even want that? I'll tell you why. Because without that gift exchange... The New Testament has a name for this called the great exchange. Without you giving him your sin and him forgiving you, you will actually have an awful, awful, awful future. There's no better way to say it. He he wants to take your future that includes you being separated from God forever because sin is real and you spending an eternity in hell. He wants to take that terrible future and he wants to give you an eternity with God and him in heaven. None of you are going to experience a gift exchange like that with your family tonight. That's why you need this, my friends. He wants to take, remember earlier we said we got a lot to be afraid about, don't we? Jesus wants for you to come tonight and say, here is all my fear and all my worry, and he's going to give you a beautiful gift in return. He he wants you to come and bring him your sorrow, and he'll give you joy in return. He wants to bring all your wrong, and he'll give you right. This is incredible the way this works. He wants your sin, and what will he give you? Forgiveness. Without sin, you get hell. Without this, and he will give you forgiveness in heaven. And you don't need to be afraid of it because he sent Jesus and he said he would. And when you go and look for him, guess what you find? Him. So I don't want to waste any more time. Do you want this free gift or not? Or do you just want to keep on shopping? Just keep on looking. He tells them, he tells me, he tells you, you don't have to be afraid because the Savior has been born what kind of savior what do saviors do this kind of savior went to a cross and died for us it took my place he took my place and so i could think of nothing better to do than to give you an opportunity right now to come to him and have the greatest gift exchange you'll ever experience in your life so why don't we just pray for that right now? Why don't, why don't we pray that if, if you're wanting to go and have a look, that tonight is the night, today is the day that you go and have a look. That, that here's what you're saying. I'm going to take my sins and I'm going to put them behind me and I'm going to have a future of God ahead of me. And so I'm going to pray for you, over you right now. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to be born in that manger to be so humble that you would come here yourself and make the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. 
Thank you for going and defeating death. Father God, thank you for raising Jesus from the grave and making it possible that we could even stand and breathe. God, I know in my heart of hearts and every fiber of my body that you're ready to forgive any person who's ready to put their faith in you right now. I know it. And I know that you're ready to forgive anyone here today, no matter who they are, what they did last night, what they look like, where on the spectrum they are, you love them. So if you're here, even if you're at home watching online, and you would like to take part in the greatest gift exchange you'll ever take part of for all of eternity, if you would like to make Jesus your Savior, to receive him in your heart, to put your sin behind you and your future, your new life in front of you, I'm going to ask you to do one one thing, and then I'll walk you through a prayer. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand That's all you need to do. Now, raising your hand is not becoming a Christian. That's just telling me and showing me how I need to do the next two minutes. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus, that's what we're saying. Just raise your hand and let me know. Say, hey, I'm over here. I'd like to do that. People every year at our Christmas Eve services become a Christian. I see you. I see you. You want Jesus to bring you peace. You want him to take away your guilt. Just pop your hand up. I see you right there. I see you right there. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you right now. Don't miss it. Don't miss this. Jesus is calling you, and we're going to pray together. You can pray out loud if you want. You don't certainly have to, but here's how you can speak directly to King Jesus. As you're going in haste, you say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You say those words. You're confessing it. You say, I believe that you came in humility for me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. You ask him, you say, come into my life. You say that, come into my life. Be my savior. Be my Lord. From this day forward, I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Some of you prayed that prayer. It is so incredible. Welcome to the family. Your future is going to be incredible. You just exchanged everything that was terrible for everything that is good. Amen.